0: People, welcome back to the Word is Resistance podcast. My name is Seth Whistleway. I am a pastor in the United Church of Christ. I use he and him pronouns. I'm speaking with you all from what is now Tucson, Arizona, located on the ancestral occupied homelands of the Tohono O'odham Nation and its people who have stewarded them for generations. What is this podcast, The Word is Resistance? The word is resistance is an offering of showing up for racial justice. The word is resistance is a weekly reflection, challenge, and encouragement designed for and directed primarily at white Christians. Each week, we explore what our sacred texts have to teach us as white people, compelled by the liberating story of Jesus, about showing up in solidarity to overcome tyranny, oppression, racism, and more. In other words, the word is resistance is, prayerfully, a conversation and resource for helping us truly live out our faith in the times we are living right now. And get this, to celebrate our fifth birthday, we are having our first ever virtual meetup for our listeners. Yes, you! Mark your calendars for March 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Register at bit.ly slash meetup. that's bit.ly slash TWIRmeetup, or watch our social media. The link will also be in the transcript to this episode. You'll get to meet our crew and hear from us about how we do this thing called The Word is Resistance, get an overview of what we're paying attention to for the Lent readings, ask us questions, and meet folks who are in your area. We would love to meet you, so please join us. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. I invite you now, wherever you are, to center yourself. Notice your body, notice your breath. See if you can slow that breath a little. Gently inhale through your nose, pause, and then exhale it all out through your mouth. Repeat that a few times. Yes, that's good. Notice your body, notice yourself. You are here. Here you are. You are present. Whether you are doing okay or haven't been doing okay, you are lovable. Welcome and hello to yourself. Breathe. Our guiding scripture this week comes to us from the Gospel according to the author of Luke, chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11. We are in the epiphany season and Jesus is among us, sparking imagination, compelling transformation, and catching people one way or another. Listen now to the story that has come and is to come. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything, and followed him. I have some questions for us white Christians. When transformational love and justice calls out and shows up, what is your own threshold for when you drop everything and show up yourself? What are your go, no-go points? How much do you need to read, hear, and see before you determine that embodiment and solidarity is your path? Do you make the decision individually Or are you woven into community and accountability and collective determination? A bit of both. Do you qualify that embodiment? Can the decision to follow and embody love and justice even be qualified? Is there a threshold for the right amount of data, the right amount of thinking and convincing that needs to happen to do something about what needs doing? Maybe a better question is, should there be qualifications to our determinations for dropping what we're doing and finding ourselves in the beautifully messy life of real liberation? I think yes and no. Yes. First, yes. It's crucially important to be able to name and notice our place and postures. What is our context and capacity? As white people in a white supremacist society, even and often, often our even best intentions end up reinforcing the status quo if they're not informed by voices, values, and relationships of those calling out for their and our collective liberation. We talk about this a lot on this podcast. It's also important to recognize always that we can't manifest liberation everywhere and in everything at all times, no matter what social media bombardment, fatigue, and stress tries to do to rewire our brains for the worst. We are each one body, belonging to one another, and our greatest knowledge and faith is that there are many others in their own deep grooves of love and justice, helping with all the things. Know your own two or three deep grooves, your soul stirrings, your connections, and be committed there. Finally, as people claiming to be compelled by the way, words, and work of Jesus, we are each of us precious, and we are also designed for community, support, and accountability. Know yourself, know your people, and know who you've got and who's got you. Know in your bones when Jesus calls you, us, to be liberators of the oppressed, And that following him means that's the life, know it. And as we also talk about a good bit on the word is resistance, liberation from white supremacy is knowing that white people need to be liberated from the havoc, this death-dealing spirituality and its policies and practices wreak on our own bodies, lives and souls. As white people in this soul sick country, we should tremble to call ourselves Christians and yet joyfully dream of the liberation we can find if we give ourselves over to what that can truly mean. With a place and posture like this, when the call goes out to let down your nets for a catch, the information we receive as we haul it up becomes our only threshold. We, you, are now qualified. No. When do qualifications and thresholds become barriers to showing up in embodied love and justice? When they become the point, the end in and of itself, to our so-called passion for change. And here is where so, 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 so many white Christians, those self-identified liberals with the best intentions we white people always like to bestow on each other, find their finish line chew up the clock for those actually in the arena, and then suck up all the oxygen in the room by taking up space, saying they read about the effort in the paper, so give me a ribbon. (laughs) Our existing embodiment becomes a cruel joke to the watching world that sees us claim Christ, clutch the data in our hand about what needs doing, and then qualify how change should come, according to us, to the point of meaningless farce. It's a reason why, for example, professor and well-established abolitionist Miriam Kaba needs to title her famous Times op-ed, Yes, we mean literally abolish the police. And yet we quibble the semantics when not challenging the very premise. Though we see the need with our own eyes, and for some of us go so far as to agree with our mouths, but not with our deeds. We end the scripture reading... At, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Our scripture this week doesn't end there. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. All around us, we are asked to let down the nets. All around us, the nets come up full with the fullness of information we need to cross the threshold into manifesting a new world, the bounty of what is possible. When transformational love and justice calls out and shows up, what is your own threshold for when you drop everything and show up yourself? What are your go-no-go points? How much do you need to read, hear, and see before you determine that embodiment and solidarity is your path? Each of us, individually, cannot be all things to all causes and all people, but by being the persons we are, embodied in this life, in our brief time earth side, we can be the liberation we claim to want to see in the world. It's hard and scary because the status quo has an active interest and deep investment in crushing God's dreams for a world free of supremacist ideologies and violence so that we often name those dreams as impossible before we even take the first steps. Supremacist ideologies are so totalizing that imagination itself seems scary, let alone the consequences of challenging that violence, whether in the streets, the workplace, the church, and more. But be encouraged, beloved. Solidarity is out there for when you show up in solidarity, when you drop everything to catch people. To be clear and current, sometimes showing up looks like not showing up. I mean, of course, the fact that we are now entering the junior year of our pandemic lives with no graduation date in sight. We have the data pulled up from the depths of our own lives. Wear a good mask over mouth and nose, for Christ's sake. Get vaccinated and boosted and practice social distancing. Would that our elected and business so-called leaders led with the same imperatives for life and love for all of us, especially the elderly, the disabled, the immunocompromised, the young children and more. We know how to show up for life and love by not showing up as we once did or doing so exceedingly carefully. But we need help. We can embody solidarity for those most in need of these ongoing protections by raising hell to the halls of power, or throwing support behind ongoing worker strikes, for a lot of reasons, or striking ourselves. One more example about acting on the data and dropping everything to catch people who need it most, for all our sake. This is actually a callback to an episode of The Word as Resistance that I did for April 25th, 2021 titled, The Verdict of the Good Shepherd. In that, episode, <clears throat> in that episode, I highlighted an article that was published in the Boston Review titled, An Anti-Racist Agenda for Medicine by Drs. Michelle Morse and Bram Wispelway, my brother. As I said then, by taking information available to all of us in the news about systemic racial health disparities They are moving beyond simple agreement and applying it specifically to their context, doing something about it. It's not enough to simply read about and believe the so-called right things about dismantling white supremacy and building a just world. Proactive measures must be taken, because systems don't change without the particularity of institutions and the individuals within them imagining and manifesting that change. And here's the thing. They actually have a pilot program developed and doing it with wonder- wonderful results so far, even in these early stages. And they have buy-in from their institution, a hospital famed for also being home to the founders of Partners in Health, an organization that normalized a quote-unquote preferential option for the poor in healthcare worldwide when everyone said that was abnormal or a waste of money. This is tremendously exciting, and I can't recommend reading and sharing the piece strongly enough. And, just as the pending removal of the Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville was all it took for a legion of white supremacists to find an excuse to violently attack that city and its residents, the publication of an anti-racist agenda for medicine whipped up a coordinated white supremacist backlash against the hospital and both doctors, That was as terrifying as it was predictable. Never mind that the piece was simply laying out what is clearly known and quantifiably documented in terms of racial health inequities. Never mind that the piece was proposing solutions that ensure all divine image bearers be granted the same level of attention and care afforded those with more health and white skin, more wealth and white skin. Never mind that our so-called healthcare system already provides preferential treatment based on color. There's another reason I'm bringing this particular story back up again, and that's because white supremacists have brought this story back up again, from the former president at his latest rallies fomenting the gathering of neo-Nazis protesting out in front of the doctor's hospital in Boston. In the past two weeks, a group of identically dressed members of the National Socialist Club chapter in Massachusetts rallied in front of Brigham and Women's Hospital, handing out flyers with the photos of Drs. Morse and Wispelway, claiming and chanting about the absurd yet dangerous claim that the hospital kills whites and is anti-white. The same chants that were hurled back at us in Charlottesville while singing and praying in the streets in August of 2017. Y'all, I wonder, actually I'd wager, that when Jesus says he'll make his followers catch people, he might have meant all the people. Remember, at this stage in Luke, he's coming out of his time of temptation and trial in the desert, his time of meditation on the ministry to come. If you're like me... You probably heard today's passage as a message about becoming evangelists who draw people to Christ when you were growing up. And if you're like me, you heard it as that old patriarchal saw fishers of men. I'd like to invite us to think about, as white people claiming a call to follow Jesus, I'd like to invite us to think about what's in the nets we're going to haul up when we allow ourselves to say, yet if you say so. I want to suggest that today's passage means when you go out catching people with a message and ministry and embodied manifestation that questions, challenges, and threatens the status quo, some people are going to be caught up that in fact are trying to catch you. From white liberal civility fetishists at your own church to literal neo-Nazis. But get a load of this. Did you notice what Jesus said first when he said, from now on you will be catching people? Do not be afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid, or some variation on it, a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Maybe he's trying to tell us something. (laughs) Number one, that he knows fear is inevitable. So the call me Ishmael of his call is often, if not always, do not fear. I have a love that drives out fear. Do you trust me? Will you follow? Will you drop everything with the vision and dreams my parent in heaven has shown you and enact that pilot program with me? Will you stand in solidarity with those who are threatened for daring to speak out that the programs in place aren't working? Will you stand in solidarity with those who are threatened right now by white supremacist violence? I won't lie, I fear for my brother and his colleague, but not more than my commitment to step up and overpower what and who comes at them, same as any of us would do for those closest to us. Find those who need that closeness in these violent times and find yourself growing in relationship and you will do the same. You'll throw out the voices that tell you to wait, the hate mail that warns you to stop. Do not be afraid. You know what to do, which is bring yourself. You'll leave everything. You'll gain everything. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We'd love to hear from you all, and especially folks of color and non-Christian folks, by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages, or filling out the survey on our podcast page at surge.org. That's S-U-R-J dot O-R-G. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you check out our podcast. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org, where you can sign up for Surge Faith updates and find transcripts for every episode, which include references, resources, and links. And finally, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor and a dear friend of mine, Claire Hitchens. And remember, to celebrate our fifth birthday, we are having our first ever virtual meetup for our listeners. Yes, you! Mark your calendars for March 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Register at bit.ly slash TWIRmeetup. That's bit.ly slash TWIRmeetup. Or watch our social media. The link will also be in the transcript to this episode. You'll get to meet our crew and hear from us about how we do this thing called the Word is Resistance. Get an overview of what we're paying attention to for the Lent readings. Ask us questions and meet folks who are in your area. We would love to meet you. So please join us. Again, my name is Seth Whispelway, with deep gratitude and even a glimmer of hope as we continue to make this road by walking, I bless you forward with these words, a modified Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at white supremacy and all injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, racism, misogyny, queerphobia, war, xenophobia, COVID-19, police violence, and more, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and embody solidarity until their pain is turned into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done.